Welcome to Paper Money, the podcast covering the business side of the game industry. I'm Ben Clark. And I'm Rhett Kipp. Today is April 7th, 2013. Rhett, getting a a slight feeling of deja vu? A big feeling of deja vu. This is round three. uh, Yeah, folks, this is our third try to record our 70th episode. We actually recorded one about a week and a half ago. And the audio was so mangled we couldn't use it. We had uh, literally a 40-minute show in the can, and I I could not save it. So we are – and then we tried again this morning, had, a, had an interruption. So we're trying again once again. I, I don't want to have to change this to today is April 8th. <laughs> <laughs> or or better still. Yeah, know. well, third time's the charm. So That's what we've been told. Well, the good news, though, is that um, you have been you have been busy. Right, you have, have been, you have done all sorts of things that you're going to regale us with. Yes, yes, I will in a very short amount of time. Fantastic. Well, let's uh, sashay right into some of that. Uh, Rhett, first, I want to uh, knock a couple of small pieces of news out of the way. Uh, Robotech license, uh, Ninja Division got it. Is that correct? Ninja Division, which is a subset of uh, Soda Pop, I believe. Correct, and that uh, goes on Kickstarter next month. I thought this was interesting because Robotech is about eight thousand years old, and there's no movie license that I know. There's no movie coming up that I know of. No, there there doesn't seem to be. But Palladium has maintained that license for a very long time, and uh, you know um, it's still a a classic. Well, it's a hobby industry license. I but you know, we've always talked about with a license. Because it costs you money, you have to decide if the extra sales are worth the cost, the extra cost of licensing. And with Robotech, I hope they got it cheap. I, I mean, I, I don't don't take don't get me wrong. I, I enjoyed Robotech, but this is a thirty-year-old license. It is. It is. And, on which uh, there's no big marketing money being spent recently. No, but on the other hand, I, I do anticipate that this will do quite well for them. Um, it's as you said. It's it's a mainstay in this industry, so I think that people will will jump on board without much problem whatsoever. And frankly, having seen the prototypes on the stuff, it's beautiful. By the way, yeah, we should specify this is for Palladium Books has had the Robotech uh, role playing game license for forever, and Ninja Division from Pop Top. This is going to be a miniatures game, correct? I believe this is a miniatures game related to the Palladium RPG. Okay, so there you go. I, so, I believe that's the tie-in. And Red's just happy because there'll be new BattleTech miniatures. There will be awesome BattleTech miniatures that the infamous Unseen will be seen again, yeah. even if they come from a different company. Yeah, those of you who get the joke about the Unseen and BattleTech being seen again, you're, you're old or very dedicated. But we appreciate <laughs> it both ways. Thank you very much. Um, the other thing was that uh, WizKids licensed the X-Wing engine from FFG for WizKids Star Trek miniatures game. Yes, um, uh, and also one of the most spectacular uh, demos that I have seen in, in ages. Um, just a great visual. Uh, instead of coming out with their standard minis, which are about an inch and a half long, they went to the to the table, found some of the old, uh, I believe, uh, Galoob, I'm not sure who the manufacturer was at the time, uh, for sure, but Hasbro in the long run. Uh, the, like, 18-inch, 24-inch starships um, and did the giant giant floor version of this one. I, fi- I find that really awesome, by the way. 
It was. It was. They were spectacular. I mean, you you couldn't miss it anywhere on the floor. Um, it was very eye appealing. It was just they did they did a wonderful job. Although the, with the space amount to to play this, it sounds like those uh, nat- naval miniatures guys who get together to refight the battle of the you know Iron Bottom Sound off Guadalcanal in a in a high school gym. Because you know, with if you're if you're at eighteen inches, the scale. You know, at a fleet action of that of this game at that level, they, they would have probably needed the gymnasium. Exactly. Board. They exactly. had they had I think it was four minis on the floor at the time. Well, anyways, the thing I thought was interesting was okay. One, WizKids didn't develop it in house, uh, which isn't so surprising. WizKids is now owned by Tops, and. Uh, actually, no. WizKids is owned by um, uh, Neko. Nico. Neko. That's right. Who bought yeah. Tops? No. Well, they didn't buy Tops. They they bought this from Tops. Okay. Sorry. It, it got really confusing. The lineage of WizKids is nothing short of, of horrendous to try and follow, uh, as as you know. Uh, but the the fact that we have an X Wing engine in a Star Trek game uh, that was licensed from FFG. Uh, by the people who make uh, candy. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a uh, you know from a toy company to do a long term license from a game manufacturer on two different movies. You know, suffice to say, I think it's going to be awesome for fans, right? Because now you can have your well, you'll be playing X Wing with the same rule set as for Star Trek, right? So now well, you it, can find out, you know, how many X-Wings does it take to take out a, uh, a, a destroyer, you know, like it, the Enterprise was. Yeah, and, you know, was there, it a cruiser? There, uh, the Enterprise was a cruiser. It depends on the period because it grows as time goes on. Yeah, that's the true. Movies, the movies, like all things, inflate. Uh, but, no, I, I thought this was really impressive on WizKids' part to, you know, find another engine. Um, this is not a clicks game at all. And you know they're they're just willing to go ahead and utilize their minis again um, because they saw a great engine and thought that that was a great way to you know develop a light. No, like I said, I think it's a great move from WizKids' perspective. It's a yeah. it's, it's a mildly surprising move for FFG. Um, but I think FFG's problem is that the think, whole well, the whole Star the whole Star Wars problem of. How fast can you develop stuff? There's really not that many ships unless you start breaking into multiple eras. And every era, you know, has some crossover, but it has its own fans. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I uh, I, I think this is an interesting move. I, I certainly know that the, the, the licensing paperwork at FFG is mostly designed to process inbound. Yes. You know, I, I'm sure that the lawyer, you know, the lawyer said, what? What? <laughs> Hold on, let me change the names all around. Uh, but anyways, I think this is, I think this is a good move. But this is something that you learned at Game of Trade Show. Yes, this is from the Game of Trade Show. So give us the four hundred one on the, on the dope, the poop, the straight something. There we go. Well, uh, GTS was a, a pretty amazing show this time. Um, it's mm-hmm. apparently the best attended uh, show, and uh, they've had in at least the last five years. Uh, it's approximately three hundred unique retailers. So now, historically, how is that? Is that up, down, in the middle? Uh, it's certainly at the upper end. Um, you know, I, I attended the 1980, uh, 1998, I think it was, GTS, where, you know, the, the manufacturers outnumbered the retailers. Um, 
And, you know, then that doesn't compare to the heydays of, you know, when WizKids used to bring in. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. You get 9,000 posers to get the collectible mini that Wizards was giving away only at GTS and they would all end up on eBay by the, by the third hour of the show. Yeah. I mean, there were, some of them were actually on eBay before the show actually opened. Um, you know, it was always, yeah, it it was interesting. But in in this case, uh, no, 300, estimated to be 300 unique retail stores um what i will say in its favor from gts is uh gamma gamma did a great job um really well run seminars were on schedule where they were supposed to be easy to find um it's a little nuisance only that the the show's seminars are a little bit far away um the other side of the building from the exhibit hall but since there's a lunch in between, for the most part, uh, and a casino, and the casino. But you know, most people are going to be distracted by the casino. Are going to be distracted by the casino, no matter where it is. Ten feet away, a hundred feet away, a mile away. Yeah, but it's not necessarily okay. All right, fine. But yeah, so you know, people people there seem to be uh, intent on going in visiting the seminars and going to the trade show. Um, what I will say about the trade show that I thought was really interesting this time over at least the previous years that I've been there for quite some time, there were a lot of people who I never expected to see there. Uh, a lot of European manufacturers came in. Uh, we saw Ares, uh, the people who do the Games of Glory, uh, used to be Wings of War and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw um, Spartan Games. Um, you know, who's a new startup company that has a pretty popular line going on right now. Um, number of others. Um, yep. Now, it lo- should be noted, we, should, we really haven't talked about this. We said 300 unique retailers attended. This isn't a show that's open to the public. That's true. This is a show for dialogue between, well, basically members of Gamma, the Game Manufacturers Association, which are the game publishers in our industry, and the people who sell them. Yes, that's the, that's yeah, that's the show. This isn't they they're not there's there's not a giant, you know, playing area or, you know, in, a, uh, the, in the exhibit hall, the games are not for sale. I mean, you can you could place an order for your store. You can place an order for your but, store, but you you're not going to be buying, you know, the cool game of the week and taking it home with you to go play. Now, there is demo gaming. There's yeah. plenty of Oh demo- yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it helps to to be able to sell the game, you know, and that's uh one of the things that the, that they do. But um one of the things we now we had traditionally said traditionally. We have said the last couple of years that GTS was one that as a that as a manufacturer or a retailer, you might not have to go to the show. Anyway, it was conditional. We you know, I think we said um but where do you know that you went to the show uh, this year and came away with a real positive impression? So I guess it should, do we need to reevaluate our opinion as to whether or not uh, as to who should go visit the GTS show? I would say that this is if you can make the show, you should make the show. Um, it's certainly being the case with the manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, more manufacturers were there than I truly expected. And from, like I say, further distances than I expected to see them from, uh, with plenty of good information for people followed up by the, the same thing with the retailers. Um, you know, if the manufacturers are there, then the retailers should be there. The distributors will always be there. Yes. Well, you know, since the distributors largely abdicated themselves from the, 
position of being the ones in the industry who promoted new product uh, to retailers. I, you know, as a manufacturer, this is something, this is where you build your demo teams. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, this is where you, you know, this is your, this is your direct to retail support, uh, you know, and keeping that line open because it used to be, again, uh, that the distributors were promoting product more than they are. Uh, that's yeah, not I w- something I that they particularly that. do anymore. So I, I would certainly say that. So that said, you came back from that show. We recorded our completely unintelligible previous version of Paper Money episode number 70. And then uh, jetted right out. Well, not really jetted because you probably drove there from. I, I drove there. <laughs> to ACD the Game Day. Uh, ACD up in, Game Day up in, up uh, in Madison. Scenic Madison, Wisconsin. And I, I, Madison, don't be picking on Madison. I'm not going to be picking Some on Madison. Madison is a fine, fine town. You know, my 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 relatives would be rolling in their graves if uh, they heard you bad mouthing Madison. I'm not bad mouthing Madison. <laughs> okay, wait till we get for wait till we get to the Alliance show in October. Then I will bad mouth a, a distributor location <laughs> because that show is in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Scenic Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's right. I'm not going to go there now. I'll save it all for October. We have six months before we have to go down that path. But that said, uh, well, now tell us about, a little bit about ACD. It's a, it's a distributor show, but there are a lot of similarities to GTS, right? It, it, it's true. Um, it's a little smaller show. I'd say that only about 20% of the manufacturers we saw at GTS attended the ACD show. Mm-hmm. Um, there was only one that I recognized uh, at the ACD show, who was not at GTS, but all the major players make an appearance at GT at the uh, ACD show. Uh, so, I, for reasons of economics, if the GTS show is not inside your budget and you're able to get up to Madison easier, um, it's a good show. It's also a shopping day, um, which is got show specials and things like that so there are advantages even if you happen to gts for some of the retailers also to attend the um acd shopping day part of the thing and seminars you might not have been able to attend all of the seminars uh by both the gts seminars and the uh the acd seminars Mm -hmm. um the big players do run theirs typically over and over and over, so you have an opportunity to catch them a number of times. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, most of the other players get one, um, maybe two. So, you know, you're, if you're picking and choosing, you may not have, have the opportunity to go see someone other than Wizards of the Coast or Fantasy Flight, mm-hmm. um, or, like I say, running continuously. Uh, if you want to see someone like Games Workshop, who's only going to run one seminar, or Catalyst, who's only going to run one or two seminars. Um, you know, you may not have had the opportunity at one show, and then you'll have the opportunity at the second. Gotcha. Well, now let me ask you this: how much, how much overlap is there? Is there in terms of manufacturers um, at right? Because the the shows were roughly a week, ten days apart. Um, so, did who? I mean, were there were there the same people at GTS or the same people at ACD? Or is that GTS? So, as a well, retailer, for the most part, yeah. everybody. Everybody, manufacturing-wise, everybody right. who was at ACD, okay. R1, uh, was also at GTS. There was one unique one there uh, okay. who did not. And they had representation at GTS. 
They just themselves were not there. Okay. Uh, but there were more people at GTS that did not attend manufacturing-wise uh, the ACD show, uh, obviously the Europeans and things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but now the thing to, to note is that uh, as ACD is a, is a distributor um, and they're in Madison, Wisconsin, it's largely a Midwest show. Right. This is Midwest. Like, are the, aren't they the most likely to attend? Are people flying in from <laughs> South Florida? Well, that's what I expected. The, the yeah. thing that really surprises me about GTS is GTS seems to be primarily a, I'll use West of the Mississippi show. Um, obviously, California, Nevada, Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, heavy attendance by retailers. A lot fewer people out of the Midwest, very few people out of the East Coast. When I was at the ACD show, I met a lot more people from the East Coast who were attending. That did yeah. surprise me. Well, it's a one-hopper, right? I mean, Boston it, to it, Chicago, you know, uh, and yeah. then rental car up to Madison. Uh, or you could even fly. Or you could fly. But and, it's a lot cheaper than flying to Vegas. And, and it's only an hour differences between the time zones as opposed to three hours differences between the time zones, which makes a big difference in your, your commuting. Yes, I'd like to point out that GTS, the, the, the floor opens at about 10 o'clock. And I would wake up at 4 because of the time change. It just uh, drove me nuts. I was, was going to say, actually, uh, yeah, the, the current GTS show opens at 1. Uh, it's a, it's a nice you know from a manufacturer standpoint both of the floors open at one o'clock uh, and close at six so by all my other game standards wow it's an easy day this does not compare to Gen Con and it certainly doesn't apply to the packs you know opens at ten a.m. closes at midnight wow yeah okay all right I'll take the one a.m. to six p.m. because I swear when I was out there they were run it was like. Uh... It was eleven to eleven to five. I believe they used to have the the floor open for a longer period yeah. now than they do now. But it, it's really, I mean, we get to do seminars in the morning, and that really works very nicely for the schedule. And that's the same thing. ACD follows the same schedule, and uh, so does uh, so does Alliance. They yeah. follow that morning for seminars, afternoon for the the, yeah. the trade show. So for those of you trying to yeah trying to keep up, GTS is in basically March. In Las Vegas, and this is manufacturers and retailers. Now we have ACD Game Day, which is in what early April, late March, early April, in the Midwest, and that is again manufacturers and retailers. And then in the in October, we have another distributor. This is Alliance this time. They have their Alliance. Uh, they have their show in October, which is manufacturers and retailers. Now because of the different times of year and the different locations. You get different information at the at the three different shows. Right? Well, at least at two. I mean, they're really yes. you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, GTS really and Alliance. And, and, yeah, GTS and ACD are, are are two peas in a pod, really. Yeah, at, at two weeks at two weeks separating them uh, at the norm, um, there isn't a whole lot new information that would be at the ACD show than there was at the GTS show. Yeah, uh, certainly not in terms of product. So, but by the Alliance show, all the stuff that they they told you at Gen Con. Uh, is now in in you know in early August is now confirmed now has a real delivery date right or, by the time of the Alliance show. I was going to say, or the products that released you know released for the summer are out, and yes. you know the, the things that we're talking about coming at GTS and ACD have arrived, and that we're now into the next 
the final quarter and yeah. you know the early part of the next year. Yeah, it's the first. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, basically, <laughs> it's the last uh, American thing that matters, right before Christmas. Right. It, it's a. It's TGG.com and TG uh, the the toy and game show in Chicago uh, coming up uh, November. Uh, in November. For, yeah, but by but, then. But by then, by then it's they better be deal. in stores. That's yeah. a week, you know. That's a week in BGG's case. Actually, in both of their cases, since they fall on the same weekend, typically, that's a week before Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. You better not be, you know, doing anything coming up because coming up means it's next year. Yes. Yeah. You, nobody don't do a you, pre-announcement. Yeah. Now the nice thing though about BGG.com, especially, is that as you, it's okay. One, it's a player show. Absolutely, but, but two, it's the player show right after the big show in Germany, so you get you tend to get a lot of the interesting new stuff coming out coming right out of Germany and right to BGG.com. Absolutely, and you know, as I said, if you're a player, um, especially if you are a board game Euro player, um, phenomenal show. Um, I, I I was blown away by the show. Uh, I have nothing but praise for that show. Wow, I didn't expect that at all. Unsolicited endorsement from Mister Rhett Kip. Yeah, for BGG. BGG. Yeah, yeah. Hey, they they did a they just did everything right. Um, I mean, I am still blown away on on how professional those guys are um, for what I would consider a relatively small show. I mean, it's well, you know, they've been growing. They they limit the amount of growth. So every and, year, there's a few hundred more, you know, uh, tickets available, but they sell it out every year. And they expand it every year by a specific amount. And so, they dug. Yeah. It shows yeah, that they're taking say, that and, kind of care. Know, this was a, a last year was the first year, I believe, that they opened it up for manufacturers. Um, they had other people selling, but they hadn't really had manufacturers specifically coming in to sell. And it was a, it was a really nice show on that regard. Mm-hmm. No, like I said, it, it's, a, it's a great show, but it's a player show. And the, there, there is new stuff. From uh, Spiel, right? Uh, yeah. And but by the same token, as if you're a retailer, um, it's a little late in the game, right? The, the stuff that's coming in uh, after Spiel might get in the distributor channel at that point, but usually it's a little iffy. A lot of that stuff is is direct to public sales only at that point. Yeah, I was going to say most, as I recall, most of the games that we saw that were new there mm-hmm. didn't make it for the holiday season. Uh, yeah, again, not surprising, uh, given the timing of the show. But that said, so let's recap. We've got GTS and ACD in the past month. Um, now, here's the, the now this is the thing about trade shows that we need to talk about, and we haven't really uh, talked about that today. Is there new information about products coming out at the trade shows? And the answer I mean, is in the day of the internet. Uh, there's some the, the seminars are amazing. Uh, I remember when I was there. Uh, at, you know the the seminars were cool, um, uh, especially you know if, if you're a retailer or if you're a newer store in general. But but is there new product news really coming out of the trade shows? Or are we what we're looking at is well we announced we we read about this on the internet, but now we get to touch it. I was going to say I think it's actually a combination of things because sometimes. Um, you know, I, I'm going to use my Catalyst as, a, as an example. A Catalyst had announced that there was going to be a 5th edition Shadowrun RPG. So people were aware of that product. 
What they weren't aware of was all the additional Shadowrun tie-in products that were coming out that were announced at that show. And other companies did this, you know, do similar types of things. Also, there typically are product types that are directed specifically towards the retailer. Um, so not necessarily a product, but maybe a package deal by X, get Y, Z, um, dating, whatever. Um, you know, so those terms aren't out on your normal channels. You know, no one's going to put on their website their, their special deals through distribution for retailers. So there's no real advantage to telling your consumers that information. Right. So, all right. <laughs> I just have to ask, how many Shadowrun products are you guys releasing this year? Are you talking different types? Or are you talking total products? Just give me, give me an SKU. Just give me the number of SKUs because it's got to be, it's got to be about nine hundred fifty thousand. Um, last time <laughs> it feels, it truly feels that way. Including the novels, I think it puts it at something like twenty products this year. Yeah, that's, 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 um, that's you know now the novels account for eight of those, but you know they're. Basically, you know, Shadowrun this year has an RPG, a card game, a board game, and a miniatures game, and all sorts of supplemental product for every one of those products. Wow. So, yeah, it, it's... And in addition, not just from us, you know, since we're talking Shadowrun, uh, there's the computer game and the MMO launching this year as well. Yes, and there'll be a DVD game for your living room featuring games, you know, featuring footage from Blade Runner and the old Max Headroom TV show. Uh, well, that would actually be a pretty cool combination. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. The uh, let's uh, okay. So let's wrap up on the trade shows. It was an interesting month. It was good, by the way. Um, like you said previously, we've said some of these trade shows you can skip or that they're regional. And in this case with GTS, it's looking it's looking like as a manufacturer, uh, you want to go to this. If you are a retailer, it's treated as a regional show. Same with the ACD show, and and I think the Alliance show. I would also call a regional show as well. Yeah, uh, but Alliance, I think, because it has, uh, don't they have an Alliance uh, show in um, over in Baltimore as well? No, I believe they've. I believe there is just the one show now. Okay, all right. They used to do a couple of shows, so it is just in Fort Wayne. But again, Fort Wayne always easy to get to, into and out of if you want to fly from South Bend. I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, but I digress. Let's. You just on. can't wait, can you? You know, six I, months is just too long. I know. I'm rubbing my hands in glee. Fort Wayne is a. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. That said, um, was doing some research uh, online today, and actually, excuse me, this was uh, yesterday. I found this. Um, there's an article talking about uh, the board game industry, etc., etc., etc. But as a, as a, almost as an aside, I found this paragraph. Uh, an article on board game company Days of Wonder in Forbes magazine pointed out that iPhone and iPad copies of a popular board game can sell up to 40 times faster than their physical counterparts. And this is the big but here, folks. But the surge in people buying the electronic versions is usually then followed by a corresponding spike a few weeks later as people decide to buy the physical copies. Rat, truer words never been spoken as to why... At a certain level in our industry, you now need to consider, you now need to uh, do an iPad, iPod version of your game. Absolutely. Apps apps have become one of the big sale tools. Um, you know, we're, the whole universe of gaming is changing 
do social media, electronic medias, um, so on and so forth. And, and we haven't really even scratched the surface. Um, you know, we've talked about it with Kickstarter. We've talked about it with things like the apps here. We've talked about it with uh, um, uh, Tabletop Talk, the uh, – the, um, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> Geek and Sundry and the – Geek and Sundry and, and, and the, other, the other YouTube – you know, shows that are going on that are making a huge impact on our industry. Um, you know, probably because most of our industry would watch Felicia Day read the phone book for a half I, hour. I suspect that's true. Um, but you know, there are, there are other people besides Felicia Day who are not as that hottie Will Wheaton. Yes. Yes. You know, Will Wheaton <laughs> is not exactly, you know, what I would call, uh, um, a, a chick magnet? Maybe he is. Maybe the <laughs> university he is. I can't say. Um, no insult intended. I'm not going there. For just Will, but, you, know, yeah. you know, the the answer is though that Will is a great influence. Um, you know, it's yes, documented. I'll give yes. I was going to say we've we've seen plenty of documentation that Will's recommendation can show a you know the ten to thirty thousand unit spike in a week. Oh yeah, the the settler spike. Those, was those crazy. are no numbers to be sneezed at. No, exactly. But the the thing is, forty times faster than their physical counterpart. Yeah. So that's going to fly out the door, and then people are going to use that as their, as their it's their try buy decision, right? They're going to spend four ninety nine on your app, and then they're going to decide to spend fifty dollars on the game. Absolutely. It, this is a this is easy peasy. Uh, this is a good. This is an easy decision to make. So I can spend $20,000 supporting demo days this year, or I can write an app uh, if you're a small company. If you're a big company, by the way, do both. Yeah, I was going to say, they, they have the ability to do both. And Yeah, yeah well, this know, is Days of Wonder, right? Now, Days of Wonder is in an interesting position in that it, it does build well I, I mean, it, it, okay, if you look at, the, at their board games, they're ideally suited to become apps. Uh, so this is a little unique, to, I, I think, a board game card game setting. Uh, but I, I, I have recommended the, um, well, Ascension, Chronicle of the God, God Slayer. I bought the card game, really liked it, then got the app when it came out. And I have since recommended the app to people who then got the app, liked the game, went out and bought the card game. I mean, it's, it's, it, 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 it's full circle. Um, so this, but this does work very well with the board game, card game stuff. I'm not going to say, in terms of the RPG market, right? I would have to say that your best bet for an app is more of a support app. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's there's cool dice rollers. We've already seen those apps, you know, uh, last year Fantasy Flight reduce, uh, released the app for the Star Wars game, even though the Star Wars RPG doesn't release until this year. Yeah, exactly. And it's a, it's a nice peek into the world of kind of a thing. And, you know, like anything else, uh, once you have created the art for your for your product, and let's face it, producing an, uh, enough art to launch an RPG is heinously expensive. You might as well reuse it as part of your your iPhone iPod app, because you're not going to have to create that much new art for an iPhone iPod app. No. So, and that's and like I said, the and the the programming, believe it or not, folks, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it is one of those things that this has been done enough now that that there are companies who do this. This is what they do, uh, is produce board game versions of existing, so- you know, or of, excuse me, they produce software versions of existing board games. So I was going to say, and, and having spoken to some of the app designers, um, 
app design apparently is like, you know, a weekend kind of an endeavor versus the, you know, nine to five of going out and producing your computer version of something. Yes. And for the record, it's still not incredibly easy as somebody who's now doing this for a living um, in terms <laughs> of computer programming, uh, but not app design, or at least not uh, iPhone, iPad apps. Um, I mean, there is a difficulty and there is a cost assigned to that difficulty. It's not free, uh, but it is. Uh, it, 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 let me put it this way. It's not like trying to produce a, you know, the next Halo 4. This is not, uh, you know, something you're going to invest 100 to 200 million dollars in. Uh, this is something that can get done, uh, for tens of thousands. Yes. And, and maybe less, depending on, on, on what you're shooting for. So, uh, so interesting, interesting factoid that, that, uh, that I came across today. And I know we have talked about this issue before, uh, but I did want to back it up with this, uh, particular point because I thought it was, it was fascinating. And, um, I don't know, maybe he listened to us talk about it on the show before and referenced in the article, and now I'm referencing the article on the show. Um, <laughs> this little joke there. Um, but anyways, the uh, suffice to say, um, this is It was is nice to see it in Forbes. Well, yeah, was, well, exactly. Um, the, the, the big thing to, to, to take away from this, though, um, is that 40 times faster. So, now, I don't know if that's Days of Wonder releasing, you know, their stuff, but think about okay. Don't even think about it as forty times faster. Think of it as you're selling it to a market that's a thousand times bigger. Absolutely, that's 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 one of my takeaways. But between between the the app stores and Kickstarter, the last two years have really changed the way you push your uh, your board game and card game. I won't say it's changed how you push your RPG. That, no, every... but that's probably coming as well. I, I I think discovering the right social media uh, for RPGs is on the horizon now. More people looking. Well, the interesting More thing traditional is, I, game companies looking. I haven't, and again, folks, if 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 you're a Kickstarter follower, um, I haven't seen. I've seen lots and lots of board games go through Kickstarter. I haven't seen any RPGs. Actually, there's quite a few. Okay, thanks. That's uh, I'd just like to point it I, out, I, you know, what, before, what before you, I, you know, bury yourself under it. Um, you know, Money Cook had a really nice launch on his. Oh, that's um, great. That's the, great. Money the done. Fire Opal guys on 13th Age, you know, had a nice launch on theirs. Uh, there's been a few failures, which is why they're known as well, but we won't mention them by name, at least. No, that's fine. You know, I, I'll, and I'll be honest, what I'm doing is I'm looking at the, I'm reading the press releases that, right, so I'm getting, I'm, I'm not, I, I refuse to go to Kickstarter because I, not because I dislike it, uh, but because I will I will lose my day. Yeah, it, it is. It, it can absorb you easily. Kickstarter is Kickstarter is what Board Game Geek used to do to me. The the, <laughs> the, the times that I I've been over there, uh, it's just so that's just like, well, let me follow this, let me follow this, let me search on that, uh, which is great, by the way. If you're, you know, the guys who are doing a Kickstarter project, not so good for me who's trying to <laughs> keep a job. Um, and actually get work done during the day. <coughs> Anyways, so Rhett, um, I think we 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 I I don't want to hammer that point too much on the on the iPhone iPod stuff, but it was worth bringing up again. Absolutely. And uh, just like I said, we can't say enough that the the that the that the market has has changed on that, and it's something that you know as as people who've been around, it's it's like and and you know me, I I I poo pooed Kickstarter when it first came out. Yes, yes, you did. Yes, I did. 
and I have I will eat be eating crow pie on that for a very long time. Uh, I'm I'm sure years from now we will still mention it. That's right. Y- you and a certain you know uh, retailer in New York who for years and years and years opened his article about when Magic first came out he bought one and always emphasized one deck. <laughs> I remember when we were selling them one deck at a time. Yeah, well that took about 12 minutes <laughs> yeah so that said hey we have one uh we have we have a really nice posting in terms of our listener mail segment uh this is from dustin and he says i keep coming back to this podcast and enjoying what the hosts have to say thanks for continuing to produce these as a casual board gamer and rpg player this podcast's insight into the industry is very interesting i love to hear the inner workings of everything and in this industry these two have some good things to talk about. Please keep producing them, and I agree with the guy you wrote in. Please make at least 10 podcasts this year. We are rooting for you guys. Sadly, the technical elements were rooting against us, so we did not get a show <laughs> out uh, in the last four weeks. But Was uh, it Friday the 13th or something when we recorded? I mean, I, I don't know. All I know is that uh, I had a very rever- reverby you on both channels and a distant me on one it was awful. It was nothing I could do to salvage the sound. So, as any sound guy will tell you, uh, there is no way to get reverb out once it's in. So, no. the only way to deal with reverb is to not let it get in. And I, I have no idea where it came from. Um, yeah, with, I, think know, I, I think I think my wah-wah pedal was active. Uh, it might have been your wah-wah pedal. Actually, I got a, a program called Boom uh, for the Mac, which is basically works as a preamp. Uh, and does in an equalizer in terms of your computer sound. And I think what happened is that uh, our Skype stuff was going, basically we use a program called Audio Hijack Pro to grab our audio. And I think it was grabbing it after it went out, uh, came out of the boom program instead of when it came out of Skype. And as a result, it was basically, it, it, it got a little beat up. So anyway, suffice to say, Dustin, we are on track. We're still on track to do 10 shows this year. Before, we were on track to do 12. Now we're on track to do 11. That's <laughs> 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 really what happened. Uh, but anyways, it's it's nice to know that uh, that folks are listening to the show. And we always encourage people to write in uh, with their questions and comments. And you can post those comments. This one, by the way, Dustin posted to thepurplepawn.com where our, our show is hosted. So, But, Rhett, how can other people tell us how much they love the show? Well, they can email us at papermoney at purpledawnpawn.com. Have you not messed? Every week? You know, I, it's it's a thing. Right, it's a requirement. If I could see it right, I probably can't even 70 see 70 shows in, folks. Paper money at And I'm still making technical graphs, and he still can't say our URL. Go ahead and try it again. I'll let you. Paper money at purplepawn.com. You can Skype us. At Paper Money Podcast. And you can check out our RSS feed at purplepawn.com slash category slash paper money slash feed. And that'll just be the shows with audio in them. And we have, uh, for upcoming stuff, we have, uh, what, Red? We're coming into summer show season. Summer show in, season? In six weeks, really. Uh, just about, yeah, six weeks. I mean, there, there's a, a number of smaller shows, but the big, the next big show is going to be. Origins, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is not in, Memorial Day weekend, which will actually be in June. It'll be in about mid-June this year, and uh, we also will have before that the uh, Protospiel. I think it does up on Michigan. In yes, Michigan. 
Yeah, Protospiel is. Oh shoot, you're gonna make me. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you in the dust on finding the date for that one. No, I was you know a couple years ago I spoke at Protospiel and uh, this year I didn't get a chance to uh, the, or last year I didn't get a chance to get over there. Um, July actually is Protospiel in Ann Arbor. Okay. So, yeah, that's David Witcher who hosts that uh, or who who organizes that. David's a great guy. Uh, Protospiel, by the way, folks, is a show where it's it's all game designers. So all the game designers get together and basically have each other play their games and provide feedback. And usually uh, this year here, we uh, Academy Games will be attending, Elfin Works, Mayfair Games, and Minion Games will all be attending that show. And of those attending, by the way, Elfin Works is based out of uh, out of uh, Ann Arbor, so Will will be, will, will be there. Uh, but Minion Games should be interesting. Uh, I don't know if anybody's ever read uh, their blog. Uh, I forget the gentleman at the company who writes it, but it was, it's been, there's some very interesting stuff there. And I think, uh, hopefully he'll be speaking, uh, and talking about stuff. But anyways, yeah, that's in July. And so, but we're, we're coming up on that dead zone, right? Where there's not a lot of new product because everybody's holding it for summer season. We may have to do our, 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 you know, your box and you show again. <laughs> just to, just to fill in the time. Just to fill in. Well, you know, I, I have to say the manufacturers are, are prolific. It is astonishing, uh, of the level of product that's coming out and the quality of the product that's coming out. And, and some of the people that are, that are back out there. I mean, you know, one of the companies that showed up at, uh, at the Gamma show that, um, I just love seeing was, uh, cheap, cheap ass games. Cheap ass games is back and, uh, they are, as they always happen. Actually, they had a high-quality game, you know, despite their name. Um, and then they had, you know, intentions of producing similar things that they always have done before, which is games on a extreme budget. Yeah, a lot of amazing know, titles have come out of those. Well, Cheap Pass is uh, James Ernest, correct? Yes. Yeah, and James had a, a was it James is a fairly prolific designer, and. Uh, has designed some real classics in his time, but the the idea was great. I'm going to do black and white stuff. You have dice, you have pawns, and you have fancy boxes. So here, I'm going to give you rules and this and the the stuff that you need to play the game, and I'm going to put them in a in a little cardboard, you know, folding box. And it was a great idea. He had some great designs, but they were so cheap you could try them, and so could he. It yes, was a, yeah. it was. A, I I really liked Cheap Ass when it, uh, the, its first time through. We got Kill Doctor Lucky. Was a classic that came out of there, and then um, there was a spinoff of Kill Doctor Lucky. But I think there's one other game that James did that's uh, just absolutely fantastic that came out of Cheap Ass. But anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. Uh, I, I, I've seen James speak a couple of times at uh, at at Gen Con, and I if, if he if he is giving a seminar, I highly recommend that everybody go attend it because it's 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 really worth your time. It's also entertaining. Yes, it's not just informative. It is very entertaining. Uh, correct, correct. Uh, one of those guys who's been around in the industry worked for. Uh, actually, he might still be at Microsoft as part of their casual games group. Uh, was the last I heard it was what he was doing. I don't want to give out incorrect information about James, but uh, uh, just you know, that was his day job. So, <laughs> not a bad day job, really, if you ask me. So, anyways, right. That said. Um, Let's take it on out of here, um, and we'll let everybody. Well, everybody, like you said, uh, we don't have a, a, a topic for the next show, but we will be talking about something cool. Episode seventy-one. Cross your fingers that three times the charm. 
yeah, well, I won't try and record that one on the 13th or whatever happened the last time. Well, that's all for me. I'm Ben Clark. And I'm Red Kiff. We'll talk to you later.